Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from James chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into the court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You will do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Didn't they do a nice job, our worship leaders today? I thought they did a very fine job today. The book of James, uh, we, are, we are surveying for a few weeks the book of James, and this particular passage is better suited for another person on our staff uh, than me. There is a wisdom and a power that emanates from Christ-shaped, Christ-styled love. And no one on our ministry team embodies that wisdom and that power that emanates from love more than or better than Lisa Sanders. And it just makes some sense. It just has always made some sense that looking at this passage of Scripture and being as it is, Kids Sunday, it's always made some sense to have a person who is in so many ways our staff leader to come and preach this message to us today. I can tell you this. uh, We love it in staff meetings when Lisa cries. Because anytime Lisa cries, you are in the midst of a holy moment. There is some chance that these words that she's going to preach today will cause her at some point to tear up. We're all kind of rooting for that. We're not, I don't want you to fake it, but we're all kind of rooting for that, Lisa, because we know, we know that it will be a holy moment. Would you help me welcome today's preacher, Lisa Sanders? All right, well... I, uh, I'm going to try to visualize you guys all as kids, if I can, um, just because maybe that'll help me to feel a little more comfortable. Um, I'm used to being with the children that I love, um, but today I am here to speak to all of us as children. Um, so, the book of James, it's interesting that I was given this passage, and 
I don't think anybody at the time when we put my name up on the board and everyone was like, will you preach that Sunday? And then it's kind of like we began to see, well, what is the passage? And then it just seemed to fit. And um, so I pray that God will use my words today and that he can speak through me to you. James is a um, special book to me um, in the fact that my grandmother, when she's about 86-ish, she decided that she was going to memorize the book of James. She's my grandma James. Um, I don't know if that's why she chose it or not, just because her last name's James, but, but she took the book of James and said, this is a good book, and I want to memorize it, and I want to put it in my heart, and I want to live by it. So James is a very practical book. It gives us... Um, Practical ways to live, and it calls us to live in the ways of God. Um, I'm going to begin with a story. Oftentimes in kids' church, I tell a story somewhere in the midst of it, and I'll probably end with the story too. And somewhere um, in there, hopefully that'll tie it together. Um, as a pa- kids' pastor, we always go to camp. We go to camp um, every year. And it's a highlight for me. I enjoy camp. I enjoy being with the kids and spending that time with them. And um, so this year was when I was actually not even in ministry. I was 18, 19 years old. So this was back in Illinois. And I went to camp as a counselor for the kids. Well, I was excited to have my group of kids, the kids I know and the kids I love, and oh, they're all here, and yay, and then we get extras in, Um, different kids that we don't know, that we're unfamiliar with, but they come into our cabin. This one child that came into our cabin was difficult. It was difficult for me. Um, She was loud, so she was, you know, just always were having to calm her down. She was loud. She was obnoxious. Um, She was missy. Her clothes were everywhere. Have you guys ever been to camp? And and you know what that's like. Clothes get strung everywhere, and you're always picking something up and saying, who does this belong to? And it always belonged to her. And so it's it's horrible to say, but I I started calling her a name. Um, I called her Miss Missy Slob. She was a mess everywhere. And... um, and so I just kind of went with it, and the other kids started calling her that. And she, it, honestly, I mean, it didn't seem to bother her, I didn't think. Um, but then I got checked. Um, I realized I was treating her differently than the other kids in the cabin. Um, and I felt like God was telling me, you need to love this girl. You need to love her. And at that moment... I had to decide what kingdom am I going to live in? Am I going to live in the kingdom of God? Or am I going to live in the kingdom that started in the garden with Adam and Eve? So I want to go and I want to show you these two different kingdoms at work. Because in this story of James, we have two different kingdoms at work. Um, In the garden... Um, There is the kingdom that God created, beautiful kingdom, where everything is good and blessed and is one. 
and, and it, it flows. It flows from the creator to the created and back, and there's this flow of love in this kingdom that God created. But then Adam decided he was going to create his own kingdom. And instead of accepting the kingdom of knowledge of who God is and how he is loved by his creator, he chose the kingdom of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't trust the love of his creator. He decided to create his own kingdom, a kingdom of independence, a kingdom of, I can decide for myself and I want to just take of what I see and what I envision and what I love. And so he took of the wrong tree. And it created two different kingdoms, a kingdom that, um, that God created and one that Adam created. And in this kingdom that Adam, Adam created, this knowledge of good and evil it created this judgment. When they took of that tree and they noticed and they looked at themselves and they looked at one another, they, they hid and they covered themselves. They judged each other and they judged themselves. The kingdom of God brings life, but the kingdom of man or Adam brings death. Which kingdom was I going to live in in this situation with this little girl? So now I want to open up this book of James. James is written by the brother of Jesus, someone who knows Jesus very well, spent probably quite a bit of time with Jesus. And he's asking them. He's coming to the church. The church, at that time, they were Jewish Christians. And he comes to them and he says, um, you say that you belong to this kingdom, but your actions do not show it. He says, my brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? He's telling them, your actions aren't showing it. Because when a person comes in dressed in royal robes and golden rings and comes into this place and you have instead shown partiality to them and favoritism to them, and then somebody that comes in dressed shabbily and poor you have said, oh, go sit over there or sit at my feet. You have not shown that you truly know Jesus, the King. You have instead made judgments for yourself. You have chosen what is appealing to your eyes, what you see. And you have dishonored the person that Jesus Christ loves very much. So do you really know who Jesus is? That is his question. Do you really believe? And do you really know? Which kingdom are you living in? The kingdom where you get to know who God is or your own kingdom? Um, and he says, actions speak louder than words. Have any of you kids ever heard that where parents will say your actions speak louder than words? Yes. And that is true. Our actions do speak louder than words. And what James is, a, is envisioning here is their actions are not speaking into the kingdom of God and that they know him. Um, he addresses them as brothers and sisters, but he says, 
you're not really identifying with, with the Savior. Um, and I think about when we show prejudice or favoritism, what that does in our community, in our environment. And it's something that's very dear to me because in our children's department, I strive to show equality. I want each kid to know the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that shows equality, that we are equally loved. And when we, with our actions, show favoritism and lift up one and put the other down or have this different levels, then that works against showing the kingdom of God. We should not show partiality. Um, it divides, it separates, it, um, it does not bring unity at all. And in fact, it kind of has this element of competition. Now that you have chosen a favorite, well then how can I be the favorite? And we compete with each other. Um, and that is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God shows equality. We would all be treated as God has treated us with equality. In fact, I would say that favoritism kills community. If we really want to be united, then we need to feel like we're equally loved, equally accepted. Um, in the culture, in James' time, what was going on is the wealthy were actually taking from the poor and oppressing them, using their wealth as a power tool to get what they wanted. And so here you have, James is just, I mean, besides himself. He's thinking, okay, folks, what are you doing? Here are the very people who are oppressing you. You are now showing favoritism to and looking up to them and honoring them and giving them the finest seats. This should not be so. Not if you truly know the king. If you truly know the king, then you're going to know what he's about. And if you truly know what he's about, then you're going to share in that. What you have done is said, I really don't know the king. You've come in and you've allowed the kingdom of the world to come in. The kingdom of the world that has and judges by what their eyes see. You have come in and you have said, oh, I want to I wanna snuggle up next to this rich person here. I want to know them and maybe I can get something from them. Maybe they'll benefit me somehow. Maybe my association with them will lift up my status. Hmm. We see it all around us. But we're called to make a decision. What kingdom are we going to live in? The kingdom of God that brings life or the kingdom of Adam that brings death? What kingdom are we going to live in? If you knew Jesus, if you really knew Jesus, you would know that these poor folks that are coming in are some that he adores and he loves and he cares for. And yet, by the way that you have treated them, you're saying, 
But you don't really know who God is. You're not living in the kingdom of knowing God. Instead, you're living in the worldly kingdom that looks with its eyes and makes judgments. Hmm. Um, Jesus talks about, or James talks about here, that God has chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised for those who love him. I believe that the poor know that they need Jesus. The poor become rich in faith because they depend on him and they trust him. Sometimes our wealth and our riches can lead us to more of an independence. I can do this on my own. And I think that Christ knew that the poor was, they were always open, open to seeing a new way, a new plan, something to restore them, something to give them hope. And so they lived open. When we judge others on outward appearance by what we see, then we either overvalue or devalue people based on how we think that might benefit us. We use people. But if we find our worth and value in our relationship with King Jesus, we don't need to be seeking approval from others or trying to acquire status by hanging with the rich. Our status is in knowing Jesus the King. So James asked them that question. What kingdom do we belong to? Jesus is asking that question because, he, again, he cannot believe. He cannot believe what they're doing. So, guys, in the, in the story of this girl in the cabin where I had to decide what kingdom am I going to live in, say, am, am I going to love her or am I going to just judge her by what I see, what my eyes see? And I pray and I told God, well, God, I can't, I can't do this. You know, she's just, man, look at her. Just look at her. Seriously, it's like, just look at her. I can't do this. She's a mess. She's... And then I said, okay, God, I know you want me to love. Okay. And this is a young Pastor Lisa. This is young Pastor Lisa. I said, okay, you want me to love? All right. Then you're going to have to help me. And he said to me, thank goodness. Thank goodness. So I said, okay, then how? How do I love her? He said, you trust me. Take a step of faith. Begin to put actions to these words. When you say you love me, then it needs to prove out in your actions what you do. So I said, okay. So I began to come near the girl and say, hey, let's, let's talk. So we started talking. When it came time to go in to eat, I'd say, hey, come sit over here by me. And she'd come sit by me. When we would gather around at the end in the evening, she'd come sit over by me. And I began to be aware of how God was changing my heart and truly giving me a love for this girl who needed to be loved. 
and needed to be included in the group. Prior to that, the girls were kind of, eh, she was there, but they kind of left her, you know, she kind of followed behind, that sort of thing. But as I began to love her, and truly God changed my heart, I was aware. I was aware of his presence working in and through me, and I loved her. She began to be a part of this group. She began to be included. No longer was she the outsider, but she began to be included, and all the other girls embraced her too, and they loved her. And I began to be aware that when we choose to live in the kingdom of God, he will give us a love. What is this royal law that we're called to? Because it says in this passage that we are called to a royal law. If we live in this kingdom of God, there's a royal law. What is that royal law? It is to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love. And what James did here is he took them back and he reminded them of the passage in Deuteronomy. And I want to take you back there because sometimes we have to go back. Sometimes we have to go back and remember what we were taught. He said to them, and these Jewish Christians would have been very familiar with this passage, knew that it was of significant importance because they would do it every day, daily. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. And then they're to recite them. And they're to remember them. So he's taking them back to say, remember, you are called to love me. And if you love me, then you're going to love your neighbor. So in Leviticus, then it, it, the Lord was telling those people to love their neighbors, to love all people. He said, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So we are called, if we know this King, Jesus, we are called to love him and know him. And because of that, our actions are going to speak and show that by the ways in which we love others. So if we really love God, don't you think that it's going to naturally flow out of us to love our neighbor? But what's happening here in the church is they're looking with their eyes. They're living in the wrong kingdom. And they are judging by outward appearances and by what they think might benefit them. That's not the kingdom we're called to. We're called to a kingdom that brings unity, not division. And when you judge with your eyes, it's going to cause division. When you judge with your eyes, it's going to separate people from each other. One of the things that the Lord has been showing me lately is how much judgment does harm. Um, when you judge other people, you're not loving them. And we are called to love. Um, judgment causes separation. Um, This word royal, too, this word royal law, can we go back to this? There's that word royal in there, and it means 
a status of a king or queen or a member of their family. So again, we're living in this kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that, that there is this royal law there, and it's the royal law that should motivate all our actions. And that royal law is higher than any of them. It, it takes it to the highest level. And that royal law is love. And yet it seems like we struggle sometimes to do it. But I think the reason sometimes we struggle is we need to know God. And if we really know him, if we really spend time with him, when we allow his love to penetrate our heart and we are changed by it, then we know that we have been given this great gift, the gift of God's love, and we are to go out as members of his kingdom and share that love with others. That is what we are called to do. Not judge, not point fingers. Um, we are called to live in the kingdom of God. We are called to be life givers. And in that story with that little girl, as I began to love her and to share the love of God that was flowing through me, I knew where it was coming from, it gave life. It gave life to that girl. And it gave life to me, too. I was amazed by it. I was changed by it. When we hang on to judgment, it destroys that ability for love to flow. That's not our kingdom to live in. Our kingdom to live in is to know the love of the Savior and to share that love with others so that we can be united as one, not judging each other and separating one another and, and deciding who's in and who's out. That's not our job. Our job is to love. And when we do that, we give life to each other. And we bring unity to one another. I always challenge our kids. I say, you know what? I want us to develop kingdom eyes. Here in the children's department, at a young age, because the kingdom of the world is out there loud and noisy and it will take our focus away at times. But how can we develop kingdom eyes as young kids? How can we be about the kingdom? And so I'm always challenging them to live in this kingdom of God's love. And guys, this kingdom of love does something so amazing. It gives us these gifts. When we truly live in the kingdom of God, it gives us great gifts. My um, Uncle Carol, when I was in Colorado, I went to visit him. And God had been stirring in my heart um, kind of this word about judging and judging others and all the harm that it does. And I went to visit my uncle. My uncle didn't know. My uncle didn't know um, what had been going on in my own heart. But I went to visit him, and I just was sitting out on his porch, and we were visiting, and he shared this story with me. And he told me, he said, you know, my relationship with God is better, because we were just talking about that. You know, I'm going to talk about God if I can. And he said, God was teaching me something. And I said, well, what's that? What was he teaching you? He said, well, he said, I drive a bus. And he said, and I felt like God was telling me, 
Carol, you need to obey the, the laws here. You need to obey the rules of driving the bus. Drive it well. Um, you know, when they say to stop at a track, train track, you stop and you open the door. When it says to, um, you know, all the rules the bus have. I know they have different ones. But anyway, he was going to, uh, I know, I'm like, I don't know. Do all the rules that bus drivers are supposed to do, which are somewhat different. But he said, I'm going to do them. I'm going to do them. And he started feeling pretty good. You know what I'm doing? I'm obeying all these rules. And then, guess what he did? He started judging everyone else. And he said, well, that bus driver's not obeying the rules like I am. That bus driver, he's not doing it like I am. And um, he felt God, again, checking him and saying, Carol, I want you to be a light for me. I want you to be a witness for me. That's what I'm calling you to do. But when you go around judging others and not loving them, you are no use to me. You need to love them, obey me, and love them. And he said he felt this freedom, this freedom that came, this freedom that said, it's not about you seeing with your eyes and judging. It's about you obeying me, knowing me, and knowing my love and loving others. And he said, Lisa, it was amazing. He said, I was free. I was free. And he said, now I know my purpose. My purpose is to know God and to allow his love to flow through me and to set me free. Set me free. Amen. Set me free so that I can truly love others. Guys, if we're judging people, if we're choosing and picking and showing favoritism to one over the other, we're not living in the kingdom of God. We are called to love, and we are called to give grace and mercy and love to all people. What turns a group of people into a church is their commitment to be molded by total obedience to this royal law, this law of love. I have something I want to read to you. If we decide that the question of morality, of whether we have behaved ourselves properly, and if not, then what, is the number one question to ask ourselves as Christians, we are running the risk of doing exactly what Adam and Eve did in the garden, putting the knowledge of good and evil before the knowledge of God. Now, don't misunderstand me. Morality matters enormously, but it matters as a byproduct of our primary vocation, which is to be image bearers, to reflect the praise of creation back to the Creator, and to reflect the loving wisdom of the Creator into his world. And this is the deep truth of what James is saying here. The royal law, love your neighbor as yourself, is the vocation through which the followers of Jesus are called to reflect into the world the generous love poured out in creation itself, the generous love given up to death on the cross, the powerful love of the Spirit which goes out throughout, goes out through the gospel to the rich and the poor, 
the Jew and the Gentile, the slave and the free, the male and the female alike, to live as transformed human beings, as vessels of mercy, not simply in the sense of people who have received mercy, but in the sense of the people who receive it gladly and generously pass it on. That is the royal law, the law of image bearing. That is our purpose. We allow knowing the Savior, knowing our King, to flow through us so that we will live into that royal law of loving others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, in the children's department, um, kind of our theme that we have going on back there is um, trees, and it's called entwined. We're all entwined together. The trees that we have um, put up there represent, represent us. Um, the Oh, I guess the only living thing that never stops growing are trees. Trees always are growing. And so we always will be growing and be shaped by the love of our Savior. The trees that we have on the wall, we'll see these roots that are down in the ground. And these roots are grounded in the love of God. And then they extend to the other. The trees that you find in the redwood forest... The only way in which they can grow as tall as they do is because they are connected to each other. Their root system is interconnected. It is entwined. And so it is with us as God has created us. And he wants us to grow in him. He, we have to place our roots deep in his love. And then our roots will continue to extend to the other. And we will be held together by his love and we will grow big and strong and tall and we'll never stop growing as long as we're grounded in him and each other and his love.